0: Our text today is Revelations 3, 14 through 22. Uh, I'll start with a statement that, that this is something that... Pastor Mickey and I have had the blessing of discussing... And I've talked about it with my bride a great deal. But upon matters of our recent time of prayer and fasting... I personally do not feel that I have reached a point... That the things that I sought in my relationship with God through that time... That I have obtained. The closeness that I am seeking requires that I change my definition of right and wrong of that to his definition as given to me in his word. And, and often we, we want to dismiss the, the things that God requires of us. And as we go through this, my prayer is, and, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it, but my prayer is, is God, please... Never let this be about the man that stands behind the pulpit, but let it be about the God that he's supposed to teach, that he's supposed to preach. All too often we can get wrapped up and and, and engrossed in ourselves. We we pray for a nation to be healed, and, and if this nation being broken is what it takes for God to reveal himself in the body of Christ again, then God break it. I have a friend, a dear friend, I speak to him every morning. He was an elder at the church that I pastored uh, in, in Valley Baptist in Hagerman. And, and you know, he, he has this concept, and, and, and we kind of banter about it, but he has this concept that when the United States goes, therefore goes the world. And I chuckled, and he says, what's funny? And I says, well, I'm sure that the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Romans all thought the same thing. See, they ruled the entire known world at their time. Uh, we got this one little piece. Uh, and, and to think that, that the world will fall because the United States finds a demise is, that's not the way it happens. We see it in Israel. We have the scripture. Certainly, we affect the world. Certainly, this part of, of, of the country. Or if the world affects the way the world goes. Because God has blessed us. And, and we do have a certain amount of sway. But we don't compare to him. We, we, we don't hold a candle to the power of God. So while we have a moment in God's time, we do not dictate God's end. God dictates that. Revelation three fourteen through twenty two. So I will be going through quite a few scriptures to to back the, the ideas that I have here. Uh, if you guys will stay there, we will close with these scriptures. Good Lord willing that I get to that point. Uh, often I think I have a plan in mind, uh, and then I look at the clock and I see that that plan is changing. So Revelation three fourteen through twenty two. To the angel of the church in La- Laodicea, write. The amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and rather are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor, And blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may be clothed or so that you may close yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to amount or to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love. I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him, and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I have also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God, I thank you for your word. And, Lord, as we read these things, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us your truth. And, God, that the, the church as a whole, as, as individuals that, that make up a body, would see your grace and your mercy. Lord, that you would indeed reprove us. Lord, that you would, you would correct us. But, Lord, please remember grace in the middle of this. Give us strength, Lord. Lord to endure those things which will change us and bring the body of Christ before you on its knees that we would all seek revival, Lord, as individuals and for the body that we claim to love. In Christ's name, Amen. So, I'm going to flip over to Ezra 10, 1-14 and like I said, I will be going back and forth so I I do not expect you to do that but please listen closely. This uh, This is something that came from our our time of prayer and revival and 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 this shattered my thoughts of who I am as I read this because I, I I catch myself and I see those within the circle that that I'm a part of and it's it's this this amount of money this home this car this gun this and, and on I'm telling on myself guns but there, there's all these things that they want to grab hold of and they have this value there's people who miss church so that they can hang out at home and watch a football game that can be recorded. There, there's, there's, and, and yes, I'm picking on people purposely. There are people who will not come to church because of, of this thing going on or that thing going on. And God's asking for a couple of hours out of your day that you would come and that you would spend a time in, in reconciliation with him. And that you would use the gifts that he has given you if you are indeed a child of his to work in the body of Christ. And I, I can't think of anything that's more important than a savior who would go to die on a cross to redeem my soul. I can't think of, a, of an event that's more important than that. I'm not saying that you can't take some time off and go on vacation and do those kind of things. I'm, I'm not saying that. But don't find things of the world more valuable than the things of God. And as we read this out of Ezra chapter 10, I think that it will manifest that clearly from the word of God. Now, while Ezra was praying and making confession, weeping and prostrating himself before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel. For the people wept bitterly, Shechaniah the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. You see God's grace. So now let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility, but we will be with you. Be courageous and act. Then Ezra rose and made the leading priests and the Levites and all of Israel take oath that they would do according to this proposal. So they took the oath. Then Ezra rose from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehoahim, the son of Elishib. Pronounce it like you know what you're saying. Although he went there, He did not eat bread nor drink water for he was mourning over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. They made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the exiles that they should assemble at Jerusalem and that whoever would not come within three days according to the counsel of the leaders and the elders, all his possessions would be forfeited and he himself excluded from the assembly of the exiles. So all the men of Judah and the Benjamin Assembled at Jerusalem, within the three days, it was the month, or excuse me, it was the ninth month on the 20th of the month, and all the people sat in the open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and of the heavy rain. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have been unfaithful and have married foreign wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Now, therefore, make confession to the Lord of your fathers." And do his will and separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Then all the assembly replied with a loud voice, That's right, as you have said, so it is our duty to do. But there are many people, it is the rainy season, and we are not able to stand in the open. Nor can can the task be done in one or two days, for we have transgressed greatly in this manner." Let our leaders represent the whole assembly and let those in the cities who have married foreign wives come at appointed times together with the elders and judges of each city until the fierce anger of our God on account of this matter is turned away from us. We won't give up a football game and these people were called upon because of their unfaithfulness to God in marrying foreign wives which if you go back you will see he commanded them not to do. They gave up their wives and their children to stand as righteous before God. We can't even conceive the idea of giving up a day or a part of a day many times. And am I picking? Yeah, I'm picking because God is picking up my heart over this. He's he's speaking to me through his word. The very thing that I've been praying for, God is doing as he helped me to prepare for this sermon by the Spirit. And he's saying, this is you, son. I gave my life to redeem you. And yet you refuse to give up said things to come before me. When you look at my people, when they truly sought redemption, when they truly sought God, they were willing to set aside their wives and their children, which is no small thing. You know, Abram, when he, was, when he had his child, Ishmael, with Hagar, sent him away. Because it was sin before God. And I, I look at my life. And, and, and I don't have to look beyond there to pick at other people. I look at my life and I say, God, I have sinned against you. And I need to change my thought process. Because I am not broken. I have prayed and prayed and prayed for revival. But how can I call for revival? How can we call for revival when we are unwilling to walk as righteous people before God? When the church as a whole... Refuses to set aside the things of the world to embrace God. How can we call on him and expect him to come and give us the revival that we pray for individually and corporately when we will not set aside the things of the world? And the Western church is sick with the world. We no longer hold the world accountable to the word of God. We hold the word of God accountable to the world. There's something wrong. Wrong with that. What the world says. Is what we try to encompass. We, we, we turn it into a dinner club. Rather than a church. And I don't think that that's what God wants. As a matter of fact. I don't have to say. I don't think. I just read to you from what the word of God says. That he expects all of us. Everything that's within us. Because he purchased us. With His holy and righteous blood on the cross, that's how much He loves us. Often they say, "Preacher, when you when you're up there and you're speaking, it's it's harsh. It's harsh." But wait, I just shared with you the love of God on the cross to redeem your soul. And if you're a child of God, embrace that redemption. With everything that you are and everything that you have, don't hold anything in higher account than you hold God Himself. It's called idolatry, yeah. and it breaks the first and second commandment. Don't make a grain of inch. Don't have anything above me. I shall have no other gods before me, folks. There is no other God. Amen. I've lived through addiction. I've done the things that the world says are fun. And it destroyed my life. It destroyed my marriage. And God comes in and he reaches into the cesspool of of a person's life and their brokenness. And he pulls them out by the hand, by the heart. And he takes out that heart of stone. And he gives them a heart of flesh. And he heals marriages. He redeems people. It doesn't matter how broken you are or what you've done. God has the power to redeem a people. But he does expect you to grab hold and follow his commands. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. John 14. And yet, we as the church want to set it aside. Preacher. Don't you talk about homosexuality or transgender. No, I don't have to talk about it. All I have to do is pick up the Word of God and see what it says. I am not being mean to somebody because of what they are. But the Word of God says that they're redeemable by His power. Look at the sexual sin that reigns in the life of the addict. Look at the, the sin, just plain simple, outside of that immorality that reigns in the life of every individual that surrounds you. I said this from the pulpit, and I know it's true. If the person sitting next to you, even with all the blessed years that God has given you with that person, knew every thought that went through your mind, they would run from you kicking and screaming. Terrified that you would think that, but here's the great thing. If they knew your mind, they would run from you too. (laughs) The anger sometimes that breeds within us the frustration, the desperation, The desires that go through our mind at different times. We are a broken people in need of a perfect and righteous God. God sent his son to redeem us. Out of love and grace and mercy. And no matter what you've done or who you've done it to. God can overcome that. The one unforgivable sin. If you are here in a child of God trust me you have not committed that. Or you would not be here as a child of God. And that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit won't go into that because I don't have time. I'd like to, though. <laughs> Do you, as an individual, feel that you can approach the holy God? In 2 Samuel 6, 1 through 7, we see that God struck, it was a dead for balancing the Ark of the Covenant when the cart tipped while carrying it. For number one, it shouldn't have been on a cart. It was supposed to be borne on the shoulders of men, not on a cart. They're, they're, they're doing things wrong right off the bat here. No matter how innocently an individual acts, if it takes place in direct violation of God's command, such as to not touch the ark or the holy articles of the tabernacle, and if someone does, they will die, this makes a pointed statement that God requires us to preserve and adhere to the knowledge given to us through his word regarding his holiness. In other words, it violated his holiness. He gave a specific direction. Don't touch it. He gave a specific direction. Bear it on the shoulders of the Levites. And they did not do so. They put it on a cart. Mistake number one. Trying to carry it through. The oxen upset it. They reached back to stabilize it. And it struck him dead. David feared God. That's how it's phrased. That day David feared God. And he was actually angry with God for his outburst against Uzziah. Uzzah, excuse me. So you, you, you look at that, and David didn't even have it come into Jerusalem. He sent it to somebody's home because of the fear that he had. God is holy. When it says to fear God, he gives us a direct word of who he is and what he expects from us as his children. And I think that we, I don't think, I know we are guilty of setting that aside to encompass the world. Well, I've got family members that are gay. I don't, I don't want to say that. You can't tell me that, that God hates the homosexual. No, I'm telling you that God died for the homosexual and he says you can't stay in that sin and inherit the kingdom of heaven. But hey, here's the great thing. You can't stay in drunkenness and do that either. You can't lie and do that either. You see, all of these things are together. He doesn't look at one and say, you, no, you, yeah. He does do that. He is sovereign. But one sin does not exclude me or include me as being less or more than somebody else's sin. We have to come back to what it says as his children. We want revival, yet we don't want to give up the things of the world. We don't want to hurt the feelings of people. But yet, if I lie to you and tell you, you're probably all right the way you are, what have I done in the face of God other than to deface His Word and say something to you that allows you to think for one moment that you can be in the kingdom of God and do these things when the kingdom of God and the Word that is expressed about it says that you can't? I've done you no justice, I've created a massive injustice. Do you as a member of the congregation of God's church feel that the church can approach the holy God? The holy God. There's only one God. There's not many gods. The holy God. What does the word say regarding the qualifications of an elder or pastor? Is it, is it demeaning that God gives women roles and men roles? Because I, I look at my bride and I don't think God loves her any less than he does me. Now I know that he, he loves me and adores me as his child because he, because he gave me his daughter's hand in marriage. But he also gave me matters of how I'm supposed to treat her. But he gave her matters of how she's supposed to treat me too. So when it, when it says within the body of Christ that the pastor is to be a husband of one wife, what does that mean? What's, what's wrong with the church today with the, that it would say that I was demeaning my bride or any other lady here by saying God requires that a male be the leader of the church? That he tells Paul, or, or Paul tells the church, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, don't set this aside. I, I, my mother, God bless her, I love her. I miss her greatly. She's at home with the Lord now. But she felt at one time, she said, you know what? I think that Paul... I think he uh, didn't like women because of what I said. No, wait a minute. Second Timothy 316 says what? All scripture is God breathed. Did Paul write that or was he guided by the spirit to write that? It's not a demeaning thing. It is simply the roles given. Christ is not demeaned by being the second person of the of the trinity. He's not demeaned. As a matter of fact, he is worshipped and praised because of his sacrificial work on the cross to redeem our souls. But he went to that role knowing what it would cost him. And the physical torture, stepping out of his place in the kingdom of God to come here and dwell amongst his creation, the sin, to redeem us from that sin. Is he less than the father? We just went through this in k for t Randy did an excellent drawing and put it together. No. He's not less. They are all co-equal. There is one God made up of three persons. One is not less than the other. Your wife, gentlemen, is not less than you. But you know what, wives? You're supposed to respect your husbands. It's vitally important. It builds them up. It encourages them. It strengthens them. You are their perfect helpmate. What's wrong with that role? But the world sees it as something that there's wrong with it. So the church as a whole starts to encompass, well, we've got to have female pastors. It's considered bigoted and and, and a hate crime if you preach against homosexuality. It's all right if you preach against anything else, but don't you preach against that. But yet the word of God says, what about homosexuality? It's an abomination Does that mean that they can't be redeemed? No. Drunkenness is wrong. The word of God states that it's wrong. So what does the word of God say about drunkenness? Ephesians 5, 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. What do many do within the church today? The largest church down in Elko right now, it is just booming. And I've heard them preach. They stand up there. They preach the most wonderful reformed message that you would ever hear. And then they gather at the park for beer and burgers. Folks, there's something wrong with the picture. There's something wrong with the picture. Because there's something else in the scripture that backs that. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to have a drink. That's not what I'm saying. It says don't be a stumbling block. And what are you being if all of us gather down at the park for beer and burgers? You might build a great congregation it'll be huge be lots of money but how many people have you led astray from the word of God We have to get back to the foundations of scripture So what does the word of God say about being a stumbling block to the brethren? Romans fourteen thirteen. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to be or put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. This brings up the question that I am judging you by preaching this sermon. Quite simply, no, I'm not. The word of God may be convicting you. And it may be judging you, but I am not. I am but a messenger revealing to you what the Word of God says. Often there's 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 an animosity towards towards the person who stands behind a pulpit or or sits in a classroom and teaches because he goes through the actual literal meanings. and And I thought J.T. did a great job of that last week because he took and he broke down Hebrew and Greek and he gave us the literal meanings of words. That's important. But in this and and. And this that we just read there to not be a stumbling block. Don't do those things. Don't don't don't. Is it so important? If you are so wrapped up in the idea that you have to have a drink for your day to be complete, I'm telling you, as a drug and alcohol counselor and a recovering addict, you got a problem. If you have to have that to prove your freedom, you've got an issue. That's when it becomes an issue. Does that make sense? That's when it becomes a problem. What does the word of God say about respecting leadership? This is a tell on me. I didn't want to write this, but... What does God's word say about respecting leadership that is appointed by him? Romans 13, 1 and 2. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. I am in trouble. And and, and and I know I need to change, but yet my mouth runneth faster than my knowledge. Uh, and, and it's true. It's not okay. You know what I do disagree with them? It didn't say not to disagree with them, it said to respect them, to pray for our leadership, because they're God appointed. So next time you're on your knees before God, pray for the salvation of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. What a testimony that will be. What a testimony that will be. But they are ungodly, preacher. You can see that. Ephesians 1.11 and Romans 8.28 both tell us that all things work according to the counsel of his will. There is no promise within the word that a country will stay great. The Romans, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians that we spoke about earlier, and the Egyptians, have all fallen. Do we think, here in the West, that we are better or more positive than they? But on a positive note, look at the grace of God in the midst of the statements that we are promised. That no matter what we may go through here in this country, no matter the demise that may come, that no one can snatch you, his chosen child, out of his all-powerful hand. That's the love of God. There's, there, there's not a promise that, that you're not going to suffer at the hands of the vile. There's no promise there. But there is a promise of eternity in the kingdom of God purchased for you by God himself on a cross through his death and resurrection. And I think it was said earlier, but it just gets us there quicker. Right? That's not all bad. A sudden impact at the end is kind of the problem. Uh. What does the word of God say about adultery, either physical or mental? Matthew six, twenty seven through thirty two tells us. You can't even think about it. Everybody here is guilty. Everybody here is guilty. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't even think about immorality. And yet, when you go through, if you will look up the statistics on what takes place within the church and the immorality that takes place, and as it's broadcast out, that's what the world sees. When you and I are ready to set aside the things of the world, such as pornography and movies that that, that profess this profound thing that we're supposed to have freedom in and to do. The only thing you don't have freedom in is to profess the word of God. But there's there's a movement out there, no matter how sick this might be in your mind, it's called the Man-Boy Love Association. North American Man-Boy Love Association that are trying to push forward pedophilia. And this is accepted, yet I can't speak against it without being considered hateful. The church is at fault for not speaking against the things that are taking place. The demise of society is because we have been quiet. So pray and preach and teach and stand strong and bring your children and bring your grandchildren up in the knowledge that those things are wrong pedophilia is is the most horrible thing and Christ himself speaks against it anyone who causes one of these little little ones to sin it would have been better for them if they had a millstone tied around their neck and they were cast into the depths of the sea you think god hates it i think he does do you think god hates sinners well he loves those that he's chosen but he does I watched a deal the other day on Steve Lawson, on, on, and, and I would suggest this to anybody that wants a, a good, a, a good uh, devotion, steadfast hope. It's like 10 or 15 minutes. But as he spoke on this, there is a hatred towards sin. And there is a hatred towards sinners. And, and God pulls no punches. But God does love those that are his children. And he redeems them from that. does God wink at our sin? Not according to what we read in Ezra at the opening. However, let us look to the New Testament for a quote as well. Matthew 5:17 through 19. Jesus speaks saying this, "Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. That's your salvation. God fulfilled the law, then gave his life for your sins." For truly I say to you, not excuse me, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You can find that again in first John two, one through six. We cannot change the word of God to accommodate the world. Our job as his children is to live out the word of God. And I'll come back to John and and, and go to John 14. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Not the one who kind of obeys not the one who encompasses the world. And here's the great excuse, and I, and I know this is to be true because I've said it before. If I, don't, if I don't accommodate some of it, I can't get to them to share the word of God. Trust me, you can't. By not accommodating it, you are speaking the word of God to them much louder than you can if you are a part of them and then trying to interject the word of God in bits and pieces. You not participating is the loudest voice you can have. The loudest. You might state It is in the new covenant, preacher. Lighten up, or we are in the new covenant. Hebrews thirteen, eight, Jesus says, though, it is the same today, or he is the same today, or yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, but preacher, Hebrews four, fourteen and sixteen states, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, being Christ, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one that has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us draw near with the confidence, or with confidence, to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Yet we read in John 14, 23. The very thing that I have been looking, and as I get ready to close this up and we get ready to start corporate prayer, this is the thing that I was looking for in my time of prayer and fasting. The very thing that we read in John fourteen twenty three, that I or we have been looking for as we pray. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Folks, this is what we're asking for right here. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. There is a requisite there that you adhere to the word of God. We can no longer set aside the things of the kingdom of God and the word of God and think that God is going to come and wash over us with revival. We have set aside for too long within the body of Christ the commandments of God. We condone it and we embrace the world to make them comfortable. But the word of God does not bring comfort. It is a sword. It is a two-edged sword. sword, And it divides us. Bone and marrow. I mean, it cuts us open. In, in, in a mental sense, I can feel God convict me when I think that I'm funny and I do some coarse jesting, whether it be at work or wherever. I can feel the Spirit say, don't say that. Yeah, but I've got to be a part of things. After all, I'm so witty. My wife says, no. Not funny. Yes, I am. No. God is telling me, through my perfect helpmate, that he has blessed me 30 years with, don't do that. Separate yourself. What does holy mean? How do you approach a holy God? It is one set aside. We are set aside. We're not to be a part of that. The loudest voice you have, as I said earlier, is to not be a part of that, but to walk away from it. So my final question. Do you want a moment with God or do you want a movement of God? If we want a movement in ourselves and in the body of Christ, we are going to have to come back to the word of God, take up his commandments, repent of our sins, and turn loose of the things of the world and grab hold of the things and the truth of God's word. We might get a moment with God every now and then, but if we want a movement of God, we as the church must start building our treasures in the kingdom of heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy Ladies and gentlemen, as we get ready to go into corporate prayer, I ask that you would either join me at the altar or that you would join me from your chair. And that we would ask God to break the church before him. That we would be hot. I told you if you gave me to the end and I could make it, that we would be hot and he would not spew us out of his mouth. That he would not come and remove our lampstand. Because we have set aside the things of God to embrace the things of the world. I ask that as you get ready to go into corporate prayer, that you repent before God. That you do pray for God to change and break a heart before him, mine, yours, the body of Christ. That we can find redemption. That we can find the very thing that we ask for, for him to come and make his abode with us. Because we see the commands of his that we've broken. And we want to embrace him rather than the world. And that we repent. I will close with a prayer. But I want to read Ephesians. A little bit out of Ephesians. See I didn't get to all those. I had all kinds of little notes in there. Thought I was so smart when I was setting that up. This is the gift of God lest I be delinquent in my duties. To the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love love. After the counsel of his will. To the end that we who were here, excuse me, who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message, that's what I'm praying for today. In him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That's the most sweetest message I could ever give to anybody right there. God chose you. The man uh, that, that, that is so broken, the woman who is so shattered And God looked down and he said, I know everything that you're going to do. I have named the the end from before the beginning. There's no surprises. I don't wake up and wonder what Brian Parrish is going to do today. That's my wife's job. (laughs) I don't have to wonder about any of that. I know everything. And I went to the cross for you anyway. I love you that much. Folks, we need to come back to him. We need to come back to that cross is I can't say that I love God and cast away his word and his commands anymore. I can't do that. I want revival in here. I want it in here and in here. If God spoke to you, you, you need to listen to that calling that he's given you. He has initiated a relationship with you if he has spoken to you. You can have that salvation. Are you asking, seeking, and knocking because he's answering? He's in the business of answering. You can have that gift. And if you do have that gift, please share it with this congregation. If he has called you today, share it with the congregation that they can rejoice with the angels in heaven. That God has called another to be his own purchased another for his own I'll close in prayer and then I'm going to ask Brian if he would start us in corporate prayer please as, as we go through that time of corporate prayer uh, JT am I supposed to have you come up first did I mess that up I'm pretty good at messing things up uh, but it, I'll ask Brian if he'll start us please pray consecutively uh, for, for those that feel that led to pray please pray aloud Uh, if If you feel like you need to stand and pray, please stand and pray. But the revival that we're asking for, the redemption that we're asking for, that requires needs that are worn out, worn out from asking God. God, I thank you so much for the richest of blessings of being able to come here and to share your word. And, Lord, I don't want just a moment, God. I want a movement, please, in my life and the lives of the church here. Use us, God, in a powerful way in this community. Prepare us, Lord, that we can't stop praying, that we can't get enough of our time with you, Lord, that we would petition you over and over for the the team that is coming in March to, to go out and evangelize the community. God, please help us to be a light on the hill in this dark place. Heal the church, God. Heal the hearts therein. Break them before you and make them anew. Fashion them through the process of sanctification to be like our Lord and Savior. I lift us up, Lord. I lift us up in the name of our Jesus, our God. Amen.